Uh, morning, everybody. Friday, the 11th of February, and in the US, it's all over after the CPI number came in higher than expected. Dow Jones down 527, that's 1.47%. S&P down 1.8%. NASDAQ down 2.1%. Our futures were down 55 this morning. Uh, we've been down 52. We're down 50 at the moment. So still going down as the market opens. Europe closed before the CPI number. So most of their markets were up. The CPI number, a 40-year high, 7.5%. Market had expected 7.2%. And there were, of course, those rumors around prior to the number that the number would be soft and hence the rampant rally in the market in the last few days has taken the S&P 500 up about 8%, our market up 8% as well, and the NASDAQ up 10% in the last couple of weeks or so. So all that reversing, not all of it reversing, but some of it reversing this morning. The obvious thing is that the Fed are expected now to be more aggressive on rate hikes And if you look at the chances of a rate hike in March, a 50 point basis, a 50 basis point rate hike has gone in one night from 24% to 92.8%. So the market effectively discounting a guaranteed 50 basis point rise in March. And if you look at the May meeting, there's an FOMC meeting on May the 4th, chances of a 75 to, sorry, chance of three rate rises by by May the 4th, from 29% to 70% overnight. And the chances of four rate rises by May has gone from 2.6% to 21%. So clearly the message is inflation's a problem. The Fed are going to have to move against it and the market is beginning to discount that. This could kill this uh, live cat leap after the dead cut bounce, but we will see. And the RBA are out this morning. Philip Lowe has said that he is surprised by by the US inflation number, but he's also made the point that some other countries may have to do what they have to do. It doesn't mean that the RBA has to do it as well and that the RBA can be patient, but they again are going to be data driven. But the idea is that the US has a problem. We don't necessarily have the problem, although we could have clearly he's holding out the possibility that things could change. Just to make the point as well, in the US, the 10-year bond yield is up 53 basis points. So they, they've discounted a half point rate rate in the last month. And in Australia, you might think ours is more benign, but in fact, our 10-year bond yield's gone from 1.54 to 2.18. We're discounting a 64 basis point rate rise over the last month or so. So, uh, there, and we had we have a consultant that does our top-down stuff with us on the SMAs, and they were of the view that the RBA are way behind the curve and could suddenly harden their language. We thought they might do that at the RBA meeting last week. They didn't do it, but there is still a chance that the RBA suddenly have to harden up, which obviously wouldn't be read well by our market. Right. Uh, I said iron ore price up 4.7% overnight. So BHP and Rio are up when the market's down today. Copper was up, nickel was up, oil was down. We had the lowest stockpile since 2018. I think we've got Janice Henderson ex-dividend today. Tom, what else is going on today? Results calendar cooling down a bit today. Baby 
Kobe Bunting and United Malt Group is holding its AGM, as you said, Janice Henderson ex-dividend. Baby Bunting lifted its dividend 13%, profit and revenue both higher, and it's up a little bit on that initial reaction. Insurance Australia Group has an interim dividend of six cents, upgraded gross written premium guidance as well. So they are enjoying a little lift early on that. Insurers typically do better in a higher rate environment. Magellan Financial has lost around $5 billion in farm. When was that from Ben? In the first nine days of February. So since Hamish has departed. What's their total fund? 87 million. Right. Uh, bill, 87 billion, sorry. So it's a significant loss. Mind you, the share price is down 47% in three months. So quite a big loss there for them. The ACCC has said it will not oppose the posed acquisition of API Australian Pharmaceutical Industries by West Farmers and United Malt Group has talked up a positive outlook for the second half of the year in its AGM and Henry was talking at the start of the week about the success of the agricultural sector. Worth mentioning there was also a bit of talk a NZ wine company was looking to offer a bid for United Malt Group in December and next week I thought it's Friday so we'll put some signposts out for what to expect in the coming week. The RBA has its minutes out and we have unemployment data. They are the main economic events. The RBA has unemployment dropping to around 3.75% by the end of the year. We also have FOMC minutes and US producer prices, the other big data point next week. Typically, they are a leading indicator of consumer inflation. So it'll be interesting to see what they read. They came in under expectations in the last reading. We also have results from BA. HP, CSL, Fortescue, West Farmers, Goodman Group, and Transurban next week. Results risk a little bit elevated. I know you were talking about this, Marcus, for BHP, given the upset from mineral resources with earnings hit by a collapse in the iron ore price. There was also a bit of chatter they could be looking at a big acquisition given the divestment of its petroleum and coal businesses. It has about $15 billion on its balance sheet. So it'd be interesting to see if there's any updates on that front there. I doubt there'd be anything immediately, but there was that bit of research from a broker saying that after unification events, a lot of companies do M&A. It was something like 40% of them do announce a big M&A or some sort of capital management event, share buyback or a, a you know, big dividend giveaway. Or something. Yeah, I saw the same article. Yeah. And I, I uh, sorry, Henry. Um, in my conversations with the CFO, because I'm privy to those conversations um, and I've had a number of briefings with him, certainly one of the reasons why. Uh, BHP collapsed the dual listed structure was to give them more flexibility for capital raising and for uh, M&A activity. That is certainly one of the reasons it simplifies the whole structure. So, yeah. But uh, he also said that everything's so expensive, why bother? Right. Good. Thank you. And yes, I did write in the newsletter yesterday about an iron ore risk with results coming up from BHP, Fortescue and Rio. I think BHP is on the 15th of Feb, uh, Fortescue on the 16th and Rio on the 23rd. But after those mineral resources numbers, the weak spot was the iron ore price, uh, was their iron ore earnings because the iron ore price last in the last six months went down 47%. The other point that 
upset the market was higher costs for shipping um, sort of the hidden expense in its lithium operations there. Right. So there, there is some risk with these iron ore stocks and their results. Yes, they'll doubtless make an absolute pile of cash and doubtless pay some big dividends. So income people should probably just ignore. But if you're an active trader, you might just be thinking, hang on, maybe I just won't take the risk. Anyway, just, just remember, though, that the mineral resources iron ore business is a significantly different business to Rio, Fortescue and BHP. It is very much uh, smaller scale and requires a lot more trucking, which requires a lot more costs of doing that. Uh, the BHP, Rio and Fortescue have been far more efficient than Chris Ellison has with uh, with mineral resources. So um, just bear that in mind. It's not really comparing like for like. Right. Uh, my my point was more about the iron ore price down 47% in the last six months. So uh, don't expect them to repeat their first half profits. So we could see some down numbers. Anyway, moving on. Okay, uh, Leighton not here today. I've got some broker stuff. We had NAB results yesterday. They're up 4.5%. Obviously, the market liked it. The broker stuff this morning has got target prices pretty much in line with the current share price. So nothing really to add there. Continues the series of good results from banks, particularly CBA last week. Otherwise, there are some intre- there's some interesting stuff around BAPCOR. The average broker target price up 13% above the current share price. And I've got recommendations buy, outperform, upgrade to buy, add, outperform, buy. We also have a name of a potential suitor for BAPCOR. There's speculation about a bid might be on the cards, which is BGH Capital. There you go, which is private, private equity. equity. Yep. Yes. Uh, Henry, did you have a thought on BAPCOR? Uh, I did have a thought on BAPCOR. I've written about it extensively in the last couple of days as a potential takeover target, a classic private equity play. Also added it to the small cap portfolio uh, before the results or on the results. So um, happy to see it going up. So, And there's a few punters that we have on board as well. I've found a few emails from people very happy with the BAPCOR call. Good stuff. And another couple I thought were interesting. One was Megaport, which had results the other day and fell, I think, 7% in one day. If you look at the target prices, Macquarie's got an outperform with the target price 43% above the current share price. City have got a target price, a buy recommendation, target price 37% above the current share price. UBS have got a buy recommendation, target price 48% above the current share price. So, Megaport I have in the forever portfolio as a forever stock and the chart has also turned up with a RSI buy signal in the last couple of days so that might be worth a look another one which I'm uh, one for the brave I would say after it's performed terribly but Temple and Webster had results the other day and the broker stuff after that is buy outperform overweight and neutral with target prices from Credit Suisse 62% above the current share price Morgan Stanley 67% above the current share price, UBS 41% above the current share price. I would wait for a technical turn before I thought about trading that, I have to say. And the other one that caught my interest was Macquarie's got a piece of research out on 29M, which is 29 metals, which is a, it's all its money comes from a copper operation in WA. It's actually an explorer with a PE, can you believe it? But also on the chart, looks like it's bottoming. Anyway, that's uh, short-term small cap stuff, but Macquarie may well be the broker to it. I don't think it listed very long ago. And it's it's beholden to a broker to support their corporate clients. As I say, I don't know whether Macquarie did list them, but it might just be that that's what they're doing, holding up their corporate client. Right. That's about that. Uh, Henry, 
what have we got in Henry's take today? Uh, thank you, Marcus. Just a few things. Some of the things that we've added recently going pretty well. ICI was up 25% yesterday. That's uh, iCandy. That's a metaverse play and a gaming play. They've completed their Lemon Sky studio acquisition today. A little bit of profit taking. Also added Mount Gibson as well, which is going quite well. And added points bet yesterday on the Super Bowl, which is not going quite so well, but that's life. But I written today on inflation, obviously, and pointing out that this was uh, 1982 was the last time the US inflation was this high. And back in 1982, Prince Charles and Lady Di got married and Dexy's Midnight Runners released Come On Eileen. The other interesting thing is that the US doesn't seem to talk about, and it has cropped up in the last few days, is the tariffs with China that Trump put on. Now, you have to say that putting tariffs on Chinese products, imports into the US, has stoked inflation because people have just passed on that, but it doesn't get talked about enough. Uh, They are looking at punishing China. Uh, Ask the analysts tonight as well. Uh, First one for 2022. I think we've got over 200 people have uh, registered for that. I was on the call yesterday with Howard Coleman, which was quite funny. Uh, He's he's a respected commentator, isn't he, Henry? He is a very popular commentator on AusBiz. It doesn't pass my filter. I think that we came up with a new drinking game collectively, whereby every time he he mentions Team Invest, you have to scull a drink. Uh, Yesterday, he managed to get up to 15. uh, The AusBiz people... Uh, very aware now of the drinking game as well. Uh, I think, Henry, what you should do is whenever he mentions Team Invest, you immediately say, Mark's today. <laughs> and maybe Yeah, I thought not to be that vulgar, but obviously he missed that uh, that particular I, I, Yeah, Sorry, Henry. I, I, <laughs> I grew up in the uh, east end of London, not the west end. Um, right. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Henry. And Chris, what have we got on technical stuff today? Uh, thanks, Marcus. Some profits that we booked yesterday, which was quite nice. We had good winners on computer share. I said I would wait for the broker research if you get a little pop yesterday. Another 2% today, but we're not being greedy. So locked in a nice winner on that one. That was particularly pleasing because at one point that position was down almost 10% and we made a more than 10% gain out of it. So well done to those who stuck with it. It wasn't easy to do as the market was melting down. Origin, the other one that we booked, we were only holding that for about nine trading sessions uh, and it had a 9% return. So that's a pretty good set of results right there. Eight out of the last 10 closed positions have been winners. This follows a rough period that we endured into the end of last year. So nice to see eight out of 10 winners had some big winners on Origin, Computer Share, as mentioned, AllChem and Domain Holdings through that period. What else is on the docket? I'll be on the call today at 1.40, second Osby's appearance for the day. They must be running out of commentators. We're talking charts with Carr at 1.40 on the tray. And that is about it for me. All right, good. Thank you very much. Right. Question of the day today is name a stock market idiom which you think is rubbish and I'll start with mine. And this was a a story of during the GFC, I wrote in the newsletter, uh, no, I wrote in my weekend article in The Age, anyone who tells you if you never sell, you'll never take a loss is a bloody idiot. And the next morning at Tolhurst, this senior dealer from the institutional side came pounding down the dealing room, an open room with 200 people in it, saying, what the did you write in your article at the weekend? Because he had sent an email out to all his clients on the Friday night saying, if you never sell, you never take a loss. And of course, that night, Wall Street had absolutely carked it. And of course, he'd, he'd woken up to all these emails saying, have you seen what your colleague Marcus has written? Anyway, 
I, it was never very pleasant writing articles as a broker. You were a tall poppy. They constantly cut you down. Anyway, I managed to cut him down. So I think it's utterly, utterly ridiculous idiom. If you never, if you never sell, you never take a loss because that just means be an ostrich, stick your head in the sand when everything goes wrong, and ignore it. And that's just obviously rubbish. Right, Tom. Activity does not equal performance. Ooh, and and uh, what's that implying? There are a lot of people that are chasing the fast money and the quick money, and that could be in crypto. And I see Henry laughing, but no, I couldn't agree with that more. And if you stick with a theme that has legs, has a long investment horizon, that's probably going to be more profitable for you. Yeah, I think in funds management as well, the more you fiddle about, the more short-sighted you become, you lose side of the horizon and that sort of thing. Christopher. Uh, so mine, uh, I've taken a slightly different approach, is uh, cut your losses, let your profits run. It does have some merit, but a lot of people use it as a soundbite, something seemingly intelligent to say when they're talking about trading. There is way more to it than that. It's really telling you that you need to have a plan for managing risk. I've said this before. I hope it doesn't offend anyone. Any dummy can buy stocks. It's people that have detailed plans for how to maximize their upside and limit their downside uh, that will make money consistently and over the long term. So if you can do that, you're well on the way to uh, mastering trading and or investing. But I just think that that saying gets misused, like I said, by people who want to have something intelligent say, to say, but then nothing to say after that. Ben? Pretty simple. Don't know if it's saying or more of a concept, but the idea that overbought is bad, uh, just simply because if it's overbought, it means a lot of people like it. And I don't see much wrong with that. Yeah, there's that theory, dogs of the Dow, that if you buy the worst performing stocks in the Dow Jones, you outperform the next year. But the truth of the matter is, if you look at the highest PEs, lowest PEs in the market. Maybe I should do this in the newsletter. The You look at the highest PEs, they're all the great stocks. You look at the lowest PEs, they're all the stocks everyone hates. And there's a reason for that. So yes, I can see. That's a good comment. Overbought is not bad. Emery. It's different this time. Very good. And Leighton's not here today, so I'll give you another one, which is you can only buy stocks, which if they shut the market for 10 years, you'd be happy to buy. That is, that I uh, don't get me on that because that is a, Warren Buffett concept, but no one else is Warren Buffett. No one else has got that much I money. I thought you hated quoting Warren Buffett. I do hate quoting Warren I'm not sure that's even a Warren Buffett quote. Well, just the fact that you said Warren Buffett, this podcast will get twice as many listeners. That's now. true. In fact, if we say Warren Buffett again, it would double it. Wasn't again. it five times as the five magic number? And then he appears no, in the right. behind you. No. <laughs> right, good. As I leave, as we leave you, market down 45. We've got BHP and Rio up 2%. We've got tech stock getting sold off heavily. That's about that. I'll be back for the weekend newsletter tomorrow. Uh, thanks very much, everybody. See you on Monday. 